The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. IBC, how you doing? Such a joy to be together in this Advent season to share in God's word together. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter one. Luke is where we're going to start. Last week, Barry began our Advent series by giving us a stunning picture of the truth of the Bible that God is with us. The stunning picture of the incarnation of God in Christ. And he, he talked about this picture of the with God life. This week, we're going to be looking at the posture of the with God life, the posture. Advent is a time when, as Dr. Glenn Packiam says, the remembered joy of Christ's first arrival awakens within us the anticipated joy of his return. The remembered joy awakening the anticipated joy and the in-between of these advents. We live in this life and in this world of brokenness and struggle and loss and pain and hopes and dreams and blessing and grief. And yet, the remembered joy, the first arrival of Christ awakens this anticipation of his promise to return, to judge evil and to renew all things. Last weekend, I had a joy awakened in me uh, as I had the first opportunity on this side of adoption to take my two daughters and as a family, along with my wife, go to a Christmas tree farm. Anybody do Christmas tree farms? There's people who like, you know, fake trees, no trees. We do the real tree thing. Uh, My parents joined us and I was just swirling in nostalgia um, because I grew up going to Christmas tree farms. My parents have this wonderful tradition of of cutting the stump uh, of the tree each Christmas and keeping it, writing the year and something memorable about it, maybe in a word or a phrase. And now they have over 40 plus stumps that they use to decorate their house on the table and the mantle. And and we're continuing that tradition and and we'll be getting our 11th uh, Christmas tree stump this year. One of my highlight moments though of going to the Christmas tree farm just outside of Greenville, Texas was playing hide and seek in the Christmas trees with my daughters, which of course, hide and seek with like three and four-year-olds is not hide and seek. It's more like mom and dad count and we'll giggle loud enough so you know exactly where we're at. And uh, that's how we played the game. I was able to snap a picture of our sweet Ryla as she uh, hid in the trees. <laughs> you just crouched over there. What you can't tell if you knew the whole context is like she's, li- she's like right in the middle of the walkway. Like you can clearly see her. There was no need for us to to locate Keziah and Ryla as they were hiding. There was really no need for us to ask, you know, the where are you question. It's interesting though, the first question in all of the Bible is posed by God to Adam. In the context of Genesis 3, after the rejection of God and the choosing of of a life autonomous from God, God's walking in the cool of the garden, Adam and Eve are hiding in fear. And God asked this question, Where are you? Where are you? Now, this is not a time where God couldn't find or didn't know the geographic location of Adam or Eve. God is omniscient, all-knowing. He's imminent, fully present. He knew where he was. So why this question? Why where are you, Adam? This wasn't a question of 
geographic location. It was a question of relationship, a question of love. Adam, where are you? In the beginning, we were together. I with you and you with me. I'm still with you. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? A question of love, a question of relationship. I wonder in your relationship with God, where are you? Not how are you, not how are you doing, not how are things going, but where are you in your relationship with God? Are you living life with God, the with God life? Or perhaps are you in a rut or stuck in a pattern of relating to God in ways that he didn't intend, of relating to God in ways that are beneath what Christ paid for on the cross and gave us in the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Where are you? Where are you? Theologian and author Sky Jatani gives us insight in his book With on four broken ways that we relate to God, that we drift into, under, over, from, and for. Under, over, from, and for. Some of us seek to live under God. And what this means is God's way up there and we're way down here. We're seeking to get his attention with our good lives, with our ritual, with our morality. We live under God. Some of us seek to live over God. Uh, where This is more of a deist or atheist approach where, where we don't really need God. We just use his principles and run with them because his truth is eternal and his wisdom is enduring. And so I can live over him. I don't really need him. Or we live from God, like he's a, you know, Amazon Prime delivery driver or something. Like I, pray, I place the order with God and he gives me what I need. I go to him for material blessing. Or we live for God. And I would venture many of us in this room, we have this desire to live for God, to live for God, serving our hearts out for his mission, but all the while neglecting his presence. None of these broken ways of relating to God are the with God life. None of these ways are fully, truly living life with God. The question is, where are you? In this Advent season, we remember the stunning reality that God fulfilled his purpose to send a savior, one who would crush the head of that ancient snake in Genesis 3, redeem humanity from the curse of sin and death. We remember that God became human and made his dwelling among us. We remember that God is with us. But the question is, are we with him? Are you with him? Where are you? Today, I'd like to look at the posture of the with God life, the heart of the with God life. And to do this, we're going to survey a few of the gospel texts that reveal how Mary, Jesus's mother, lived the with God life. Not just because he was her divinely conceived son, but because of the posture of her heart. Her life was the with God life. Here's what Dr. Amy Ora Ewing in her Advent book, Mary's Voice, writes. At Christmas time, we remember that an ordinary, young, poor, and oppressed woman was chosen to play a significant and breakthrough role in the redemption of the world. Evil would be crushed and defeated through her seed, Her body was to play a part in showing the world that Jesus really is Emmanuel, God with us. Her theological insights and reactions are recorded for us in the New Testament by positioning Mary in this way. The New Testament is unlike any document of the era. 
we can see what kind of person is invited to be a gospel witness, a teacher of profound theology, and an example of simple, humble faith. It's no mistake that a woman gets to be part of all of this and that her voice, her questions, her fears, her actions, and her obedience matter. So we're going to look at the posture of the with God life through the lens of Mary's with God life. And that brings us to Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 29. Before we go there, however, I do wanna make a note of pastoral care. Um, For some of us in this room, the season of Advent and Christmas is really hard to engage. Even reading Christmas texts can be a challenge emotionally, perhaps spiritually, because this season is all about the birth of a baby and pregnancy just a second, we'll open up and read that Elizabeth was in the sixth month of her pregnancy and Mary was going to conceive. And maybe some of you in this room, you've wanted children and for whatever reason, you've never been able. Maybe some of you in this room, like my wife and I, for the last 10 plus years, have journeyed through infertility. Maybe some of you have experienced a miscarriage or even infant loss. If that is you today, I want you to know, if you struggle with reading these texts, that's okay. Your feelings are valid. The Lord sees you. He's with you in your pain. He's been with us, my wife and I, in our pain. And even as I grapple at times to read these and rejoice in the birth of a baby, it can be challenging. But we're safe here in the presence of God and the love of God. And so as we read this, be reminded that though we grapple, with these texts. The reality is that the story is about a birth of a son who would redeem that particular loss for you and for me, that one day he'll make it right. And I trust him and I pray that you do too. All right, Luke 1, 26 to 29 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Can you say that with me? The Lord is with you. Here it is. The angel Gabriel reminding us of the great truth. The Lord is with you. The question on the horizon for Mary is, are you with him? This is an angelic pronouncement, an angelic appearance. Up until this point, there has been 400 years of of silence. There's been no prophetic voice for the way of the Lord. There's been certainly no angels appearing to humans. Joseph got a vision in a dream of this same message, but the angel visited Mary. And he says to Mary, greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with You, the Lord is with you. And it says next that Mary was greatly troubled by this and wondered what kind of greeting this is. Greatly troubled. There's this fear and awe in the presence of a divine being, rightly so. But there's this word wonder, which can also be translated ponder. Mary wondered and pondered what 
particular kind of greeting would this be? Surely in this moment, young Mary is drawing from her rich wells of theology, knowing the story of God and trusting in the promise of the Messiah. Surely in this moment, Mary is drawing upon Isaiah 7, anticipating this this virgin who would give birth to Emmanuel. Surely in this moment, she's going back further to Genesis 3.15, the proto-euangelion, where God announces that there would be one from the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, though he bruised his heel. What kind of greeting is this, she wonders. And the angel says, don't be afraid. You will conceive and give birth to a son. He will assume the throne of David and his kingdom will never end. The Lord is with you, highly favored one. She asks, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you and you will conceive of the divine Christ child. Surely in this moment, she goes back to Genesis 1 where the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters as God created what we know as our universe. Surely she was reflecting on the Holy Spirit would hover and form in her the life of God. Mary in this moment wondering what kind of greeting this would be, that the son of God, fully God and fully man would be born in her. This leads just a few verses later to what we know as the Magnificat, Mary's beautiful song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord and rejoices in God, my savior. Here's what Philip Ryken says about the Magnificat. The Magnificat either quotes from or alludes to verses from Genesis, Deuteronomy, 1 and 2 Samuel, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Mary tried to put virtually the whole Bible into her song. What kind of greeting, she's wondering. The Lord is with me. He's chosen me. Am I the one to bring the Messiah into the world? What kind of greeting? Now that we have the context for this moment for Mary, what I wanna do next is just walk through Mary's life, these gospel texts that mention Mary's reactions and and her heart before the Lord. And there's really three observations I, I want us to see. The first is this, that Mary shows us the with God life receives the word of God. Mary shows us the with God life treasures the word of God. And Mary shows us the with God life follows the word of God. So let's start with this. Three observations, the with with God life through the life of Mary. Number one, the with God life receives the word of God. Here was Mary's response to the angel. She says this, I am the Lord's servant in Luke 138. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. Mary shows us the with God life receives the word of God. The world rejects the word of God. The religious heart neglects the word of God, but Mary receives the word of God. Her response is simple, humble faith. Yes, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The world and the religious reject and neglect Mary receives in the Old Testament when God is interacting with the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 8. And, and in this period, just after the judges, where Israel is crying out to have a king, like all the other nations have a king, because surely God can't be their king. 
God speaks to the prophet Samuel and he says, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're actually rejecting me as king. But in his mercy, he gives them the king, though they didn't know the repercussions that would occur and the stipulations that would be required. But God, in his mercy, is gonna work through a king. They rejected the kingship of God for a human king. They rejected his word. In Isaiah 53, 700 years before this moment for the angel, says that we all like sheep have gone astray, going our own way, rejecting God as king. The world rejects religious heart neglects, but Mary received, and it changed everything about her life in a moment. I remember when my wife and I um, received our first call in foster care to receive a child uh, into our home. It's an amazing moment. It's a stressful moment. Uh, how it works is we partnered through an agency here in Dallas, and it was the agency that gave us a call. We had prepared as much as we could. We had given, given them stipulations as to here's what we're able in this season to uh, do and the type of child we're able to care for. They give us the call and uh, you know, give us a lowdown on the need. And then from there, uh, you say yes or no. And we said yes, which meant we hung up the phone and then frantically... I, the tiger, got in the zone and prepared our house for this child we'd receive. I ran to the shed and got the crib just in case, and he like built it. We cleaned the house up, made sure all of our things that we needed to do for foster care were in place, and within two hours, a four-day-old baby girl was in our home. Everything changed like that, just for Mary too. The Lord is with you. And what was her response? She didn't reject, she didn't neglect, she received. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. To hear it, identity, purpose, and the fulfillment of prophetic promise. Identity, I am. This is who I am. In response to your word, this is my identity, the purpose. I am the Lord's servant. This is how I will live in response to this word. May your word be fulfilled to me. She trusted the promise. Identity, purpose, and a promise fulfilled. John 1 says this, he, Jesus, was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. Mary received the word of God. She shows us that the with God life receives the word of God, but also that the with God life treasures the word of God. So now we're moving from the birth into the life of Jesus, where Mary, in Luke chapter two, um, and twice in this chapter, references that Mary treasures and ponders in her heart what God is doing. And so the first scene is with the shepherds at the manger. They've just received the angelic pronouncement that the Savior will be born, that the Messiah has come, and they spread the word. And it says this, but Mary treasured and pondered these things in her heart. The next scene is with Jesus, a 12-year-old boy at the temple, interacting with the religious teachers of the day. They're amazed and astonished. Jesus doesn't leave with the caravan and Mary and Joseph have to go back and find him. And he goes, don't you know that I, I would be in my father's house? And it says, Mary treasured these things in her heart. The with God life treasures the word of God. Receives it and treasures it. This word treasure means to keep safe. What do you keep safe? 
do you have a safe that you literally keep things in? Many of us even keep safe idols in our life, centering things in our life that we'd rather keep safe than give up. Mary doesn't reject the word, she receives the word. She keeps safe the word. She treasures this word. She treasures the truth of Jesus's identity, the truth of his purpose, the truth of his promise. Jesus in Matthew 13 would tell two parables, one about a hidden treasure in a field that a man finds, he buries it, he sells all he has, and he goes back to buy the field because he treasures it. The pearl of great price, similar theme, treasuring God's kingdom, God's word. She treasured it, she kept it safe. Then it says she pondered it. How did she treasure it? She pondered it. This word means to think deeply, to consider deeply. What was she considering deeply? The great gospel truths that God became a human and made his dwelling among us, that the Savior was born, that the Messiah had come. She was pondering, thinking deeply, integrating her theology in real time, treasuring. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says this, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Delight and meditate, treasure and ponder. Mary was a woman of the word. She received the word. She treasured the word. She kept it safe and she pondered it deeply. Where? It says in her heart the center of the inner life, in her heart. That's where she treasured God's word. That's where she kept it safe. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart, for from it flows your life. Jesus would say that our words flow from our heart. I wonder if the words of the Magnificat came from this treasuring and pondering the heart that Mary had prepared in response to this moment. Mary treasured God. The with God life receives the word. It treasures the word. The great truths of the gospel, it ponders the way of Jesus. And finally, the with God life follows the word of God. Follows the word of God. What you'll see here is this shift for Mary from Mary as his mother to Mary as his disciple. You know the story of the wedding at Cana, perhaps, where uh, Mary kind of pushes and nudges Jesus, the Messiah, her son, to like, hey, get this show on the road. It's time to go, Jesus. They had run out of wine, and Jesus said, uh, she told Jesus, hey, we've run out. And he says, it's not my time, not my time. She goes, I'm in communion with the Father. I think it's time. Uh, and then she goes to the servants, do, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. That's the posture of the with God life, receiving the word, treasuring the word, willing to follow the word. Do whatever he says. This is our heart posture as Christians. We wanna be people who just do whatever he says. And what did he say? Love God with everything you are and love people. Do whatever he says. This is the moment where Mary shifted from I know my son to I know the son, the son of God. Do whatever he says. The with God life follows the word of God. Follows the word of God. This is when Jesus' ministry begins. 
And that leads them all the way to being rejected and betrayed, all the way to the suffering of Holy Week, all the way to the cross. Here's what it says in John 19, 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. All the disciples scatter. Mary stands. John was there. Can you imagine this though? From the moment of the angelic pronouncement to the treasuring and the pondering to becoming his disciple, following Jesus all the way to the cross, her personal greatest moment of loss, her personal most disorienting moment in her life. And where does she choose to be? Near the cross. In her loss, Mary was near the cross. This is the posture of the with God life that we, we follow Jesus all the way to the cross. This is where our life begins, where our sin is put to death and he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God, that the word of God became human and made his dwelling among us, died on a cross so that he might send the spirit to make his dwelling within us. Mary stood near the cross. I wonder in your greatest loss, your weakest moment, your deepest shame, where do you stand? Stand near the cross. Receive the word, treasure the word, follow the word, do whatever he says, go all the way to the cross. And then finally, theologians argue, was she at the tomb? If not, she was at least nearby. When he rose from death, was she there? If not, she was at least nearby. Was she at the moment of the ascension? If not, she was at least nearby. But we do know, and the last scene where Mary is mentioned in the New Testament where she was. She was in the upper room waiting for the promise of God where Jesus said, I'm gonna ascend, but then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Wait and you will receive power from on high to be my witnesses. And we're here today because of that upper room moment. Mary was there. It says this in Acts 1, 14, they all, the disciples, joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary was there. What was she doing? She was joining Jesus' people. She was praying for Jesus' kingdom. She was waiting for Jesus' spirit. Mary surely knew the power of the Holy Spirit for she carried the life of God, the incarnate God within her for nine months. Now she's ready in this moment as his disciple to carry the life of God indwelling her forever. Just like you and me. That Jesus who made his home among us became a human to die for our sin, to rise, that we might have new life, would send the spirit to dwell within us. And Mary in this moment is there waiting, praying. The with God life receives the word, treasures the word follows the word. Dr. Amy Orr Ewing ends in her devotion with this. Mary's theology is deep and her Christology, her understanding of Christ matters greatly given her role as a firsthand witness to the events. And as Jesus' mother, 
Her reflections upon the suffering of this world and the meaning of Jesus's arrival connect with all who journey through tears, disappointment, lament, struggle, and pain. Mary reveals that the with God life receives the word. That's the heart posture. Treasures the word and follows the word. She was the only person present at both his birth and his death. And she followed him all the way through to the sending of the spirit. But friends, this message isn't one where you're like, okay, so I'm supposed to go home and, and just be like Mary now. It's not a, hey, be more like Mary because that's not the gospel. The call to discipleship in the gospel is to become more like Jesus. And that's what Mary was about. And so we can learn from her, the one who was called blessed throughout all generations, the one who brought the savior into the world. We can learn from her how to follow Jesus, to become like Jesus. The with God life receives the word of God because of the gospel. Here's why. We can receive the word of God because Jesus, the word of God, has received us. Just where we are, where are you? That's where God receives you. We can treasure the word of God because Jesus, the word of God, treasures us. He died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He rose from death for your new life and for mine. And we can treasure him because he treasures us. We can follow Jesus wherever he goes and wherever he leads because God, in the birth of Christ, came to rescue us from wherever we've been. The question at the garden in Genesis 3 is the question at the manger, is the question at the cross, is the question in between the advents. God is with us, friends, brothers and sisters. The question is this, where are you? Are you with him? Are we with him? The with God life receives treasures and follows so as we close, I wanna just give us a moment in the presence of God to reflect. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been bringing something to mind, a way of relating recently, or even this whole year as you look back, man, I've just been relating to God in a way that he didn't intend, maybe under him, trying to get his attention, maybe over him, just living from his principles, but neglecting his presence. Maybe from him, like an Amazon Prime delivery package, or maybe for him, serving my heart out, but neglecting him. I wonder where you are. Let's pray. Father God, in the presence of your spirit, we first say thank you for your son, Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the sending of the spirit. Even now, God, would you help us locate where we are? We hear your question. We wanna respond in faith. We wanna be people who live the with God life. Help us to receive your word. May it be born in us afresh. Help us to treasure your word and to follow your word. Pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. 
To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.